So I am glad that we met at a charming event. Oh my gosh. I was so enamored with the Gatherverse. And you yes, are a, a business event. partner, yes, or a startup partner with the creator of the Gatherverse? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so Christopher Lafayette is my co-founder and partner, mentor, um, friend. Cool guy, charming soul, <laughs> interesting person. Oh, yeah. I'll try to get oh, Christopher on as definitely. well um, and see if you actually have different stories about the same yeah. thing. Your name, I will <laughs> let you say it because I would like it to be said appropriately. Um, the short version sure. of it is. Um, Hipólito Imani Caradona. And the long version of it is. <laughs> it's Hipólito Imani Caradona Herrera Rivas Galero Gosa de la Madrid. Excellent. So Ipolito is what I will call you for our conversation here. Sure. And so um, sure. you presented at the conference in an arena that most people doesn't know even is trying to exist. Can you maybe start us up and tell us, because exactly. you've got a couple dance parties going here. You've got the fact that you and Christopher <laughs> have hollow practice. Now, what is that? Mm-hmm. So Hollow Practice is a think tank, sort of, sort of like Marimel, that uh, gathers. It's an incubator for, for medical immersive experiences um, that can be brought to you by extended reality, VR, AR, and, and the mix of the two. And so we gather minds that are really focused on that intersectionality between the emerging technology and healthcare technology. And your hat is healthcare technology. My hat is, my particular expertise is actually molecular biology. So biomedical research, a um, little bit upstream from what the doctors are using. So research like um, our historic group of COVID-19 vaccines and, and development that happens in the laboratory. So you've got several hats going. You have a, a day job for lack of a better conversation of it also in Northern California with Sensi Biosciences? Yes. Yes. So that's, I, I work in the, in the biotech so industry. So you are a regular, a yeah. regular <laughs> a molecular biologist, <laughs> not just plain one on TV. <laughs> yes. Just a plain, just a plain old ordinary um, molecular biologist. And then yeah. you guys also are launching or trying to get started a new product, um, which is AugLab. So can you share what AugLab is? Exactly. Definitely. Really excited about AugLab is an AR software interface for laboratory production. That's the, uh, the spiel of it. But it really is an AR tool that helps scientists traverse the complex topography of a lab. So there's a lot of moving parts that are happening when you're planning an experiment, when you're doing a laboratory process. AugLab is like an assistant that helps you with holographic images of, uh, of 
things that will sort that you need to know in the lab, like how instruments are working, how your experiment is running, and all the different tools that you could use um, if you had an actual assistant, physical assistant right by you. So it's your virtual lab assistant. Or your lab whisperer that, that is telling you with visual heads up display stuff, <laughs> yeah. what you, right. don't do that. You forgot about this that's running that, you know, here's the right measurements exactly. you should have had there. Yeah. I actually need one of those all the time. Um, exactly. I'm a I'm a recovering <laughs> glass hole. I mean, I was a Google Glass person when they came out, and I so appreciated the little visual nags that would come up and the audio nags. And um, mm -hmm. I guess this mm -hmm. is my other, or this and this are my nags otherwise to, to chat. So this is more of a visual right. and audio experience that you guys are designing, exactly. building, prototyping, partnering on. Exactly. Yeah. So it would be so it, we we leverage see through technology. So using a head mounted display that is hands free. So less touch points, less uh, possibilities of contamination in the lab, being able to talk bidirectionally to the program. The program's talking to you, like you said, um, giving you those signals and those cues. And it also is, is um, AI governed. So it's learning as you're as you're using it it's making it's making itself uh smarter with each use by uh picking up and being reinforced by the uh, activities that you're doing i have probably 25 different questions already about what it is what you're using etc but i'm going to swing sure. back to this i want you to tell me okay, no how in the world you got into molecular biology oh i love this uh <laughs> This is a beautiful, this is a love story. I, so I fell in love with um, gene regulation, molecular biology in the redwoods, deep in the redwoods of UC Santa Cruz, um, where the, you know, uh, uh, banana slugs, ghost slugs. And, uh, and this is where you were so an undergraduate actually, student. This is where I was an undergraduate. My story goes back a little bit further, and, and I'll just give you the short of it. And then if we want to dive deeper, we could, but I actually went, I started out film school kid. Um, going to school for, yeah. for film. Yeah, exactly. At, at Loyola Marymount. So I was thinking we, uh, we definitely sync up, <laughs> it's, especially with the, we are talking about postcard moments, right? In your yeah. little tidbit and your snippet that you were, um, I've had a lot of postcard moments, Gigi. I've had um, a lot of nodes and pivots in my life where, I listened to the call and and I took that turn as a as a musician, as a filmmaker, as an artist. Um, I dropped out of film school, started um, in social services, became a social worker for six years in Santa Clara County, um, where I where I grew up uh, in Gilroy, California, a little further south, where the garlic garlic festival, garlic capital Absolutely. of the world, <laughs> right? Um, and so after that you know, I thought to myself, I want to go back to school. All this vocational stuff was being pushed towards me and like be a physician assistant, be a, you know, all these trade schools. And I thought to myself, why not just go back to school um, and see what, what piques my interest. And so biology, it was, I, I, I heard about, you know, uh, what, what, what we call junk DNA. So the DNA in our, in our, in our bodies and our cells that, are not being used and how they're regulated. Okay, I'm going to stop you how there. This, uh, how genes are what regulated. What is junk DNA? <laughs> so junk DNA is it's it's a it's just a funny term for 
the DNA in our cells that are that's not being used. So some people talk about like we're only using 10% of our brain or which I think if you talk to some neurologists that's not true, but in fact a lot of the DNA in our cells is not necessarily transcribed or used um, to act to to make proteins. It's actually more structural. So we have uh, eons and eons of this DNA that hasn't been used. And what piqued my interest was that if you were able to somehow upregulate or express that DNA, um, really cool things happened. So that was my that was my um, that pulled you into the banana slugs that pulled you into molecular biology. <laughs> At UC Santa Cruz. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That was it. Was the light bulb moment, and I and I loved it, and I couldn't get out of the lab ever since. You know. Wow. So I've been doing research more than ten years now since that point. So when you explain what the lab's like, I must admit I was a pre pre bio research on psychobiology first round through for undergrad before film school found me. And I started doing lab work and I was going, oh, I, this is not my space. <laughs> Sitting in a lab is not my zone. Exactly. So, so what is lab life like? Because right. in many ways you're augmenting lab life. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I've, I've had plenty of experience that have, that has really inspired me um, to create Aug Lab. So lab life is, I would say it's paying attention. It's really, uh, you know, having to have a really, really fine attention to detail. Um, uh, those, that's, I think, one of the major main characteristics and qualities of a good scientist is to pay attention and um, actually document your observations. And it's, there's a lot of apprenticeship and um, mentorship and shadowing when you don't know a technique. So, you know, being able to learn something and do an experiment or do a technique is different than being a master mm. at it. And I learned early on, the more you fail, uh, you have to learn the hard way. So the more you fail at something, the more of a master you become at it because you have to go back. You have to you know, assess all of the, the factors that were involved in the experiment. What did you do wrong? What was the actual biological question? So it, it's, it's exciting to me. And, and, and I think if I, if I could, one of my first mentors really hooked me when he said, you know, he knew I was an artist. He knew I was creative. And he said, you actually can't do lab research without being open and creative. So you have to put that bread, you have to use two sides of your brain, Imani. And I was like, okay, you know what? <laughs> Sign me up. I'm ready. Um, and so, you know, it, it does take a little bit of pushing through that, uh, the formality, the procedures, all of the, uh, all of the guidelines. But then when you get the technique, that's when you could start waving your wand and being creative um, and asking those really interesting questions. So now I'm going to come back to the film school. Thing. Is, that, is that enough? Of, that's my soap. That's it's my a great soapbox. Soap so were you doing stereotypically <laughs> creative work at the time? So were you doing film-ish things during this time period? So during my, my, my time yeah. in the lab? So I actually, that's, that's a great question. Not so much film, 
but I had gone to a performing arts school for high school and theater was in my blood. And so at UC Santa Cruz, I was roped in again, inspired and hooked to join, um, it's called Rainbow Theater. And Rainbow Theater was a group of group of kids that put on, I think five or six different productions a year. It was, it was an African-American production, an Asian-American production, a Latino production. And, and then the, there was uh, something called the Poets' Corner where it was a, a mix of all bunch of different artists, poets, um, spoken word artists, dancers, rappers, singers. And so that was sort of my, me clinging or not clinging, but maintaining my art, my artistry. I had to, I had to stay, I had to stay in the realm so as to not lose my chops. And uh, Rainbow Theater was a good place for that. So how did immersive ARV or staff walk into your life? So that it was it was high tech, deep tech, um, really always fascinated me. And when I went from UC Santa Cruz to work at UC San Francisco, I was introduced to the Center for Advanced Technology, um, the CAT, as we called it. And so that was where all of the gadgets and gizmos were. You know, that's where they lived. Um, and I got to get my hands on a liquid handling, an automated liquid handler. And that's, uh, so it's a robot that is able to do the uh, the liquid transfers and, and perform the experiments so that So your jittery hand do. wasn't necessarily an intermediary instead, right? <laughs> exactly. So it's like, you know, so many benefits, lack of carpal tunnel, you know, uh, it, it took a lot of the stress um, and the 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 load off of an, you know a lab user. So I thought you know I was just like this is amazing, and so I dove deep into the robotics of it, um, and that actually led me to my my career in uh, Silicon Valley in the industry. So I went from academia to industry with that passion to to explore automated liquid handling and that's what I'm doing now as a passion. And so having that uh, deep, deep love for um, technology, um, thinking about the future of work, uh, that's what brought me to XR. And I knew about it because of gaming, really. Um, that's that's all I really knew about it uh, was, was through the PlayStation. But when I had the inspiration for AugLab, I looked at my contacts at on LinkedIn. It, this is, and I do want, I, this is, this is the story I do want Chris to, to, uh, to tell, because I think it's a different story. You know, I bugged this guy. I bugged him. I was <laughs> well, like, how did you find Chris, him to bug him? I have, I don't, you know, that is the strangest. I, we had mutual connections on LinkedIn. So we, we were, we were already um, connections. So what I was doing was I was looking through, I was like, who's like doing this stuff? Like who's who's actually building these products? Who Who's talking about AR and VR? And so and Chris was there in my contacts and, and I just pinged them. And this is where it might <laughs> differ, but I must've, I think over the span of a half a year, just 
pinging him, pinging him. And this man, as you know, is so busy, busy, you know? And so I was persistent. I was like, you know, I really have this great idea. I want to share it with you and let me know if you're available. And so finally, near the end of 2019, he, he answered and it was, it was, uh, you know, like they say, the rest is history. So now he geographically is where? Um, Mountain View. So you guys are, thank so goodness, right heading the into the pandemic, somewhat adjacent geographically. Though I'm assuming that even if he was halfway yeah. around the world with everyone working remotely. But so how was it to essentially exactly. sort of come into the pandemic working through an innovation partnership? It was great. It was that, well, the partnership itself was like many, you know, um, really leaned on telecommunication, you know, the, the Zoom calls and the phone calls or um, being able to sort of uh, share that moment. Um, so did yeah. I lose you? I'm going to mark the clip so I can come back to it. But you went <laughs> okay. away Sorry. and yeah. then back again. <laughs> Sorry about that. So, yeah, um, telecommunication, it was, all, it was all over Zoom. And so what was great about our product was that it was an, it was an answer to the pandemic. And so it, it was it was amazing for us to be able to build and to do the research and to do all the processing uh, of the technical stuff through through the web. Uh, and so we didn't really need to to be uh face to face. And that was something that the product was offering as well, you know, where you can collaborate with scientists from all over the world. Um, in the safety of your own lab. So um, I'm going to maybe nerd a little bit on product. So what are you using as sure. a heads up display for the development work? That's a great question. And I think we've recently landed on uh, the HoloLens okay. uh, because of its developer, the developer tools. And the, the all the work that's been put into the see-through display there. Um, but to be honest, I think that for the prototype and for the development, it's important to pick mm -hmm. one as opposed to, you know, trying to, trying, to, trying to do too much or bite off too much that we could chew. But we're very open and, I, and we look forward to partners that have a strong opinion about it, right? Um, Obviously, Chris has more know-how about this stuff. But for me, it's, you know, can we capture the experience? And can we capture the experience conveniently um, so that a big headset isn't, you know, weighing you down uh, in the lab and so that you can actually be comfortable in the lab, <laughs> you know, as much as you can be. So that that's... That's what, I, that's what I'm looking for for the future when, when we do actually land on um, the HMD that, we, that we're going with. And then um, who's, who's, who's doing the, the user experience development and the coding side of it? And the, is it sitting on an engine? I feel like I'm asking naive questions here. So that, so... If I can be honest, um, 
We don't know yet. <laughs> so, so right now, we, what we're doing is we're building up um, all of the all of the resources needed for this prototype to be built out. So this is a lot of storyboards. This is a lot of concepts. This is the blueprint that we're working with. Now, definitely, I've I've heard Chris talk about Unreal Engine. I I know that he has strong beliefs about it, or he you know he's definitely going to be the one making those decisions, but. We don't have the hackers yet to to actually make that choice, but I'm sure um, when it comes to it, um, the the hackers might have an opinion, and I think Chris will also, yeah. Because it's an interesting question right now, with so many people building out right now, and so much of a kind of gold rush into the space, where people are coming in and saying, "Do yeah. I build on Unreal? Do I build build on Unity?" Do I build on Wonderland? Do I build on, you know, do I have something proprietary? What am I trying to actually walk away with now? Um, ends up being a question, do you want it to be on something that you can grow with or live in a proprietary tech? Mm-hmm. And um, I've lived through a lot of building on proprietary tech in my background where it's like, no, don't do But you never know then what you're trapped into. But um, how are you? Exactly. To me, it, it's very interesting to think about and it comes back bringing your film and creative background how to storyboard a work experience right so you're needing to figure Mm -hmm. out how to make something additive and not distracting and exactly um, and that actually reminds me that i need to have somebody else on this show that i know that is a a media psychologist looking at this for heads up display and automotive similar questions right Wow. In the how do I have something right. that is going to be additive, engaging, not irritating as heck, and is going to be able to be a, a, a collaborative environment. How are you guys, how are you storyboarding this? So our, we're going into the labs and we're asking mainly, you know, because I think it's easy because we're making a product for me, my kind of people, you know, my, my background as a scientist gives us um, at least one, uh, <laughs> you know, use case scenario, but reaching out to all of our, you know, the extensive network, trying to really sit down with the questions and the, the pinch points and the, and the points of tension that come up in a lab, right? Um, and tackling those first. So I think a really a really good example is when you when you say additive it's not really even additive. It's it's like I think the what I was trying I I'm trying to look for the word and I'm still even I'm bouncing it around people but it's it's sort of a focus. And and it's not not so much the holographic displays that are you know bouncing at you but it's how the real time image your perspective and your view can actually be isolated and focused on what it needs to be focused on so in a way sort of subtracting out the distractions that are in real time so that you can focus on what you need to um, what you need to focus on right and so for example when you go into a lab you have a whole bunch of different you know a whole bunch of instruments Aug lab has what we call a discovery mode, where the the image of the what you're seeing kind of goes 
uh, bluish, where 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 that where then particular aspects of the lab, like let's say instrument or reagents or or different different um, factors, different different components of the lab are highlighted, right? And so it's sort of like I guess the best way to describe it is like detective mode um, in a, in a video game. We want we want we want the user to be able to focus on what they need to focus on when they want to focus on it. So let's say, you know, hey, is this instrument in use? Um, can you tell me the, the runtime? When will it be available? Uh, when was the last, you know, maintenance call on it? Give me all the layers of information that you can, as opposed to all the information bouncing at you at once. Um, so yeah, focusing as opposed to, you know, trying to really hone in and help that attention to detail that's really, really needed in the lab. Very cool. Um, are you guys working on anything else you can share from Holo practice? Uh, how are you, how are you engaging with others with this? How are you sort of percolating new opportunities other than maybe not bugging people on LinkedIn? I mean, how are, how are you then using that as a hub at Think Tank <laughs> to engage with people? Absolutely. Yeah. So what we were, uh, what I had mentioned in the talk too at Gatherverse, I'm really excited um, to really announce it and, and get geared up for 2022 goals for Holo Practice. And the three top, my top three goals for Holo Practice is to first to organize an event, a round table where we can bring the medical community, key players in the medical community and key players in the emerging technology field and just have a conversation. What can we help you with? You know, it, and like I was, the question always comes up, why would we not equip our frontline worker, our frontline medical workers with the best technology ever? What is that technology? What do you need uh, medical community? And so I think it's going to be really exciting to 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 build that event um we're going to have that on the gatherverse platform we're really excited to bring those key players and have that roundtable discussion that's one and gatherverse um, is sitting on the awe platform right which is exactly. sitting on what exactly. or something like that <laughs> i'm always I'm, I've, I've done way too right, many virtual right. events this past two years so i uh, definitely tend to to chat people on the shoulder go what tech is that what are you on how does that work I know. And it's so, it, it's just so convenient. Um, and we're so grateful for the support from Ori Imbar um, at, at AWE that's, you know, which is Augmented World and, and sort Expo. Of, um, Augmented World which Expo. Is a, which is a fairly long time living. I haven't been to AWE in about five years, but I used to go. And um, and it just got almost too crowded. It's so popular. And, and they're doing such a great engaging hybrid engagement right now during all of this, uh, right when, of course, the metaverse is getting hyper-popularized where people suddenly think it's just been invented or something like that, um, which I find amusing. <laughs> exactly. So it's going to be on the Gatherverse space, which really is a, a very wonderful virtual events and community platform. Right, yeah. And so I think a lot of the people that were at Gatherverse already uh, were inspired by the talk um, and they, you know, they approached me. And so we're already building that network and that community of people that want to talk about 
how can you know how can this intersectionality be as fruitful as possible with the medicine uh, medical and even the bio, like I like for me the biomedical research and emerging technology XR extended reality oh good stuff it, it's exciting so that's the first that's the first goal for hollow practice but we also want to um, continue our research with our three pillars of we call it three pillars of progress it's uh, e perceptional alignment, um, e um, time immersion, and human-centered technology transfer. Now, I have a talk on the 26th, which is like a two-hour talk that I'm going to go into in depth about all of these things. But I, I my goal is to put together um, a white paper on this so that we can actually like spell it out for people that are curious about how we're building the platform and, and really the, the topics that we're talking about. How can we help the user be more, you know, enhanced? Mm -hmm. How can we augment that experience as opposed to changing it or distracting it in any way? So those are really, that's, that's really important. And I would love to, so we're collaborating um, to put that paper out there just to publish that so people can, can, can uh, sink their teeth into what we're doing at Hollow Practice. Um, so yeah, those are those are. And we'll add those links into us. the show and notes, and we'll try to keep the show notes up to date on the adventures Thank that you. you're doing here. So glad to share that out. Well, Appreciate you've shared a lot with yeah. us so far, and a lot of prospectively wonderful things that you're working on. What are you otherwise? Sorry, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> again. So it's been great talking with you. We're near the end of our conversation. <laughs> what have we not talked about that you're excited about you'd want to share with our audience? Well, I think it was, um, I think I was mentioning it a little bit before the show. You know, I, the, I think the social impact that Og Lab has. I'd love to talk a little bit more about that because when it comes to education, um, I know for in, in terms of my experience coming from social work uh, into the science space, I, I sort of kept that hat on and in trying to promote higher education in STEM. It's difficult to see to see oneself. Um, in, in that type of career path. And I think a lot of it has to do with sort of that intimidation. So people feel intimidated, the complexities of science, you're like, what is a molecular biology? And it, it, it sort of becomes um, alien to people. And, I, and I'm just, what I'm really excited about is sort of flattening that learning curve so that it's not so obtuse, so that people have that ability to go into a lab and feel confident when they do and not feel like they're, let's say maybe being a nuisance or like, uh, you know, taking another person's time that has to train them longer. So we want, we want to accelerate training and cut that time, you know, threefold so that it's a little bit smoother and it can, and it can promote, um, you know, young people in STEM. And so that's, that's one thing that beyond all of the, the, you know, the hacking, the nerding out, I really see the social impact of the product when it gets adopted. And so 
I'm excited about that. Excellent. So what do you need? What would you like to show up at your door? How would you like people to reach out to you? Um, so yeah, we have our LinkedIn and, um, and our websites. So those are, those are all great avenues. Hollow practice is a, is, is sort of the gateway because even if you have a, a product of your own, it's just a great community to come and share and build and ideate on these things that, you know, that, like I said, the cross section between medicine and, and XR. And so holopractice.com and we have theoglab.com, um, our LinkedIn, both, uh, both mine and Christopher Lafayette's is, is, there, those are all great ways to reach we'll put out. Those all in the show we notes. want people to be excited. Thank you. Yeah, we just want we just want people excited about what's going on. We're at a we're at a a turning point with our technologies, and as like I like you know I really tried to make sure it's stressed as our as our science grows, we really need to grow with it. Um, when we ask the question, why are we doing this? You know, our, our hearts need to be open, as open as our minds and really asking the questions that matter and how we can make a difference with all of our knowledge and all of the resources. So let's bring them all together to do the best that we can. Thank you very much for joining us. And I'm inspired and looking forward to where your adventures go. listening to Creative Innovators. We are expanding our footprint. So we invite you to go to creativeinnovatorspodcast.com and find us on Substack, where we are creating a new matrix of our past shows that you can find them more easily and find them along with the career adventure guide content, where you can take your own career and use some of the tools in the setup to both be inspired by past episodes of Creative Innovators, as well as become a bigger and better creative innovator yourself. We're also launching in a couple of other platforms this year. So stay tuned and join our lists and, and find out where else you can find and combine with Creative Innovators in 2024.